0: In the name of the
1: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May be seated. Where to begin? It's what you say, and there is so much to say, and you just do not know where to start. Such is the case. With the story before us here this morning, Jesus' transfiguration is truly a monumental event that could be discussed for hours upon end. So, where to begin? Typically, the response to that question is at the beginning, but for the sake of time here this morning, we won't go that far back. We will, however, go back a ways in history to select moments throughout the Old Testament. We start to see the foreshadowing of this moment in Jesus' life and His ministry, and thus unpack these great glories. Today's Old Testament lesson has us at the feet of Mount Sinai, fulfilling that sign given to Moses by God that Israel would indeed one day come and worship at this holy mountain. And so Moses ascends the slopes of Sinai with his brother Aaron, along with Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of the people. Moses goes before the Lord into His presence, the great glory of God. And while the numbers And the exact details of this story do not match up perfectly with Jesus' own transfiguration. Certain elements do stand out as very similar, having Moses there in the presence of God upon that mountaintop of Sinai. And the cloud, often accompanying God's presence, was there on the top of that mountain. And we hear Moses' words from our text today. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. Compare that with Jesus' own appearance at the transfiguration. His face shone like the sun. A true devouring fire. And His clothes became as white as light. The prophet Daniel, some hundred years, hundreds of years later, received a most famous vision recorded in the 10th chapter of his book. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold around his waist. His face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, and his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. Such a vision caused the prophet Daniel great fear and great trembling, much like the disciples who witnessed Jesus change in appearance. But the man in Daniel's vision also came and touched Daniel and bid him have no fear. Jesus' same appearance on the Mount of Transfiguration meshes so well with this vision of Daniel. And two, following his return to a normal appearance, the Lord Jesus reaches out his hand to touch his beloved disciples. And he bids them, have no fear. These Old Testament occurrences certainly foreshadow, cast a light looking down the road upon the coming of the Son of God in human vesture, human flesh, here in this world. Jesus' presence in the midst of His own disciples fulfills these future looks from the past. But even more strongly, then what is fulfilled is, is what is foreshadowed in our Lord's transfiguration. The scene is truly one of great glory, as the divine nature of Jesus Christ is revealed for His beloved disciples to witness. And there can be no mistake about this no doubt whatsoever jesus transformation takes place not long after his great exchange with peter about who exactly jesus is and what he has come to do the very heart and soul of the message of epiphany but with peter refusing to let jesus dictate his path to the cross peter must be shown the very fullness of jesus glorious identity, but only after the resurrection of Jesus will this event take on its fullest luster and meaning for Jesus' disciples. And yet Jesus' true nature as fully God and as fully man, it must be presented clearly to those followers of Jesus even then at that moment. And there on the mountain, as Jesus is transfigured, Moses and Elijah appear. They are speaking with Jesus. Speaking of His departure, of His exodus, of His fulfillment of all the Scripture by His own death upon the cross. And yet, it is only Jesus who remains. God the Father's voice then comes in the cloud of theophany, the revelation of God's presence, and it announces that Jesus alone is His beloved Son, begotten from all eternity. They are to listen to Him and Him alone, elevating Jesus far above Moses and Elijah and everyone else. And what this physical change in Jesus foreshadows is truly remarkable. When Moses died of old his body was taken away by god and no one knew where his remains were buried elijah never tasted death but was whisked away into heaven in a great whirlwind accompanied by fiery chariots with these unusual end of earthly life experiences and with the glory of jesus shining forth radiantly with brightness one must see also in this great event a foretaste of the resurrection glory still to come. As Jesus cautions His own disciples following, tell no one of this until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Glory will win out. Victory over sin, over death, over evil, over corruption, over the devil. It is a lock for sure. Jesus reveals, removes the veil of His divine glory for His disciples, giving them a glimpse of all that is to come in the road ahead. This blinding scene should be permanently etched in their minds. They should be able to call forth this miraculous event whenever trouble, whenever doubt arises. Jesus, mocked and ridiculed by the Pharisees and the scribes, his transfiguration far greater. Jesus, suffering the devastating blows of the soldiers' fists and the lashes from the flogging whip. Jesus is God in the flesh. And He will overcome. Jesus nailed to the tree of the cross, lying dead in a tomb. Resurrection is sure to follow for He who is the resurrection and the life. And yet, where do we find even these three disciples when the fatal arrest has come? Scurrying away from Jesus, like roaches away from the light, denying any association with their Lord, and watching all unfold from a safe distance. These men were given so much to strengthen them, to preserve them in the one true faith. And still that old Adam within gained the upper hand. Are we any better? Can we stand above the disciples of Jesus? Not in the least. Sure, you and I live in a far different time and world than the disciples did. But time has not changed. The very nature of our struggles. You and I have been given so much to strengthen our faith. To keep us together, united as one in the Word of Jesus. And that Word of God, the Bible itself, it's present everywhere that you and I wish to be in our homes, in our offices, on our computers, and on our phones. You can hear the Word of Jesus preached unto you, and the meaning of the Scripture clearly taught to you. And you receive freely the body and blood of Jesus every week in the very bread and wine of His Supper for the forgiveness of all your sins. And yet here you are, and here I am, Still a broken people, a failing people, living in the midst of a broken and evil world. We still cannot follow God's commands to the letter or perfectly. We're still reluctant to stand up for the truth, for virtue, for honor. We shy away from defending the one true faith when our loved ones, our co-workers, seem fit to challenge. You and I have just as much need of repentance as did those disciples of Jesus. And while knowing all this, all that we do know about Jesus does not keep us still from sinning, it does keep us in comfort in the midst of our brokenness and our corruption. Jesus' word of forgiveness rings through, and it shines through to assure you in the midst of all that you still belong to Him. You are righteous, holy, clean, transformed in His sight by faith in Jesus. Illness and frailty rob you of your strength and your livelihood, but the promise of resurrection remains your possession. And so look with Peter, with James, and with John at the figure of the transfigured Christ. Witness Moses and Elijah holding converse on high with the Lord Jesus, their own eternal Lord and Savior from sin, the long-promised and awaited Messiah. Jesus' transfiguration lasted but for a moment. And God the Father interrupted divinely so the impetuous Peter, leaving the disciples in utter fear and great dread. For Almighty God Himself had the power and the right alone to banish them forever from His holy midst, from His holy sight, just as He has the power still to do unto us. But in the very heart, of their greatest fear came Jesus. He touched them. And He bid them stop fearing. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ gives to you. Offers unto you His dear and beloved people. No matter what comes your way, sickness, suffering, homelessness, Despair, rejection, betrayal, death. Jesus is there. He comes to you, not with vengeance, not with wrath, but with peace that passes all our understanding. And He touches you with His body and with His blood. Lord Jesus graces you with His divine presence. And God's Holy Spirit directs you over and over again, your gaze, your vision back to Jesus Christ, to Him crucified, to Him resurrected, to Him ascended, to Jesus transfigured. The only way for our salvation, the way given out of love, Love from God the Father for you, His dear people. And on the last day, as foreshadowed in Jesus' transfiguration, you too will be raised to a glorious new life. Your glorified body, it will stand before the Lord face to face in your own flesh. And you will see the gloriously transfigured Jesus. You will see God with your own eyes, and you will not die, but you will live in His glory forevermore. With that wondrous truth, the promise of the resurrection fresh in our hearts and in our minds, we travel down the Lenten path once more. Amen the peace that does pass all of our human understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.